music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and I'm looking forward to meeting our first guest this week, DJ and producer DJ Caraba. She has been nominated for a Juno Award at this year's ceremony for her amazing song called Mad Mess. We talk about her dance career, where she performed with artists like Drake, Camila Cabello, and Selena Gomez, and then we switch gears to talk about her current career, which is as a DJ and producer in the Afro house scene, not to mention her extreme love for Janet Jackson and also being inspired by Bob Marley. Up next, we speak to our music editor, Sharon Hyland, talking about Kylie Minogue potentially heading towards a Las Vegas residency. Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show. We are so excited to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show a Juno-nominated recording artist from Montreal, Quebec, DJ Caraba, who is nominated for her phenomenal song called Mad Mess. Caraba, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I also have to mention right off the hop that you are a very talented dancer and you've danced for Drake and Camila Cabello and Selena Gomez. And we're going to talk about all that. And um, we also have a surprise for the the people who like to watch the show about who your favorite musical artist is. So we're going to get to that in just a sec. But I have to ask you right off the top, um, how did you get your start in music? Um, and were your parents like supportive right from the beginning? Um. Well, I think just as a little kid, I was a, a huge fan of music and in like all genres. Like my mom was like really into Motown. So like Marvin Gaye and all that. And then my dad was like more into like African, like Congolese music. But then together, they also have like a passion for like French music. So it was like a men- melting pot of music that I grew up with. And that in myself, like I was a huge fan of like Daft Punk and like all like the French house scene. So I was just always a huge fan of music, but it started as far as like professional, like being a DJ and all that when I think it was in 2016. And I only told them about me wanting to be a DJ in 2019. And I feel like my dad was like, oh yeah, like if you did what you did in dance, like you got this. But then my mom was like kind of skeptical, which I understand, like, you know, she was like, well, you're this like really successful dancer. Why would you go into something else and start her over? Uh, but I guess I proved her wrong. And I was like, just trust me, I got this. <laughs> That's amazing. So let's talk about the dance career. Um, yeah. So tell us how you got into dance and then uh, why you decided to make that move to first New York and then Los Angeles. Uh, I started dancing when I was seven, when we moved to Canada, because um, uh, yeah, I, I was shy, but I had a lot of energy. And so my parents were like, we're going to put you in dance. So um, and then I, I think, yeah, I was seven and I already knew I was like, I want to be a dancer. My teacher would ask me, like, what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a professional dancer. And she was just like, don't you want to be a teacher? Like, whatever. And I was like, no, I want to be a dancer. So I feel like as a little girl, I always knew I wanted to be a dancer. And then when I. Um, when I turned 19, yeah, when I turned 19, sorry, sometimes it's just a lot in my head, uh, but I decided to move to New York because I really wanted to, you know, be a professional dancer. At that time I was doing like school and like dance and I feel like I wasn't too focused on school. So then I was like, you know what, I'm done with CJP. I'm going to go right into dancing. And then that's how it started. And then I decided to move to, to New York first and then to LA. What is the difference in your mind between being a dancer in New York versus Los Angeles? I feel like when you're in New York, it's definitely more Broadway driven and like underground scene for like hip hop dancer. 
because uh, obviously that's where you know hip hop was born. So I feel like that's really what is in the forefront. But I do know a lot of dancers and I have friends that are just like, no, like we're still doing commercial work in New York and that works for them. But I feel like that's for New York. LA is definitely like the place if you want to do like any type of work when it comes to movies, uh, music video, award shows, tours, like that's really the commercial work scene where you want to be if that's the type of work you want to do. Can you talk to us about going to Los Angeles? Because I don't know if you had contacts there already, but I've heard that sometimes, um, you know, the scene can be pretty insular and it's hard to break mm -hmm. in. Is that true or not? It is. Um, at that time, for me, I had I had done um, this convention called Monsters of Hip Hop. That is like a dance convention that goes um, around the states and around the, um, some states in Canada. So I had made some friends that were Americans, and also made some relationships with choreographers. And, and so that allowed me when I moved to LA to have already those connections. But I know also people have different experiences where they move to LA and they're just like they feel very alone because it is a very um, specific place right people move there because everyone has a dream and everyone's just so focused so it's, sometimes it's kind of hard to make friends because everyone is just there to to make their dreams happen and that's fine but yeah it could be it could be hard at some point even if you know people and even if you're working you kind of feel alone sometimes yeah how, how quickly did you uh you know get your break in los angeles like was it fairly quickly it was. Yeah, yeah, it took a month. And then after a month, I remember I bought like um, an unlimited uh, cl class card at ML Studio. And then I took classes every day and I was going to every auditions and I was like, I'm going to book a job. And then I think after yeah a month or two, I was like on a job. And then I feel like in L.A., whenever you book one job and it's a big job, then everyone's like start talking and then it just you know, goes and you're like, oh, okay, I'm in this other job and it's other job. So, yeah. <laughs> Who was the first job? It was um, the Latin Billboard Music Awards with uh, Ricky Martin. And it was in Miami. It was my first time going to Miami. I was so excited. Um, and it was like a nice group of people. And then my friend, uh, Daniel Dory, who is also a professional dancer uh, from Montreal, we booked it together. And he's like, he used to be my teacher in Montreal. So for me to be on this job with him was just I was like, oh, my God, this is so nice. So, yeah, it was it was a really cool job. I liked it. Yeah. It's really interesting that you said that once you book one, then you kind of start to get known by other choreographers, because sometimes yeah. I think as viewers, if you are a fan of dance like I am, I often mm -hmm. see the same dancers with different artists doing the Billboard Awards or doing the American Music Awards or the Grammy. So I think a lot of people talk, especially if you show up and do your job well. Yeah, for sure. It's all about like how... Yeah, it's all about being professional. It's all about like keeping those connections. It's all about like showing up to classes. It's and then I think the you know choreographers like if if most of the time they have their little clique of dancers that they like that they that do their style really well. And I feel like that's when they don't really like they have auditions to have other people, but of course like they have their core dancers that they really like. And I feel like if you're part of like a choreographer like circle, then I feel like you're you're good, you're set because that choreographer is gonna keep calling you and be like, hey, I have this job, I have this job. So it's definitely I feel like most of the time that's how it works. Yeah. Can you tell us what the most fulfilling job was for you, like in dance, like which artist it was for, and tell us why it was so fulfilling? Oh my god. <laughs> um definitely it has to be selena for sure i think that um 
you know, tours are very like complicated when it comes to like friendships and like people, because people think that like most of the job is being on stage, but that's really like 10% of the job, to be honest. The rest is like tour bus, traveling, you know, airplanes, uh, eating together. So you have to be with a group of people that is like really, um, like really nice and like really out there and wants to do stuff with you because we have so much time together. And that tour was so nice because we were like this really tight group of people that we did escape rooms together we would go out every night we went to asia we would try a new restaurant like and it was like all of us we were nine dancers and and even the band the band usually like you know you have the band members they're like doing their their thing but they were still with us and and selena was a really really nice boss like she was really sweet and um i'll like i still have friendships from that tour and it's been like eight years now and just thinking about it, like I was in Switzerland last week, uh, yeah, last week with one of the guy that danced with me on Selena and we did a podcast and we talked about it and we're like, yo, it's eight years and we're still friends and I come to Switzerland to see you. So like, it just, yeah, I'm talking a lot, but it's just like, it's, uh, it's mind blowing. It was, it's such a, it was such a beautiful tour. I'll remember for the rest of my life. Yeah. I want to get to your music career in just a second, but I did want to ask yeah. you now that you're out of dance in a way, like you're not, you know, you're focusing on your artist career. Is there yeah. an artist that you wish you had a dance for and haven't, haven't done it yet or haven't had the chance? And if you do have the chance, would you go do it? An artist? I saw you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there, well, there's two actually that have, that were always on my list and I wished. First of all, it's Katy Perry. I did a music video for her uh, called This Is How We Do. It was like one of my first big music video. Um, but I would have loved to be a Katy Perry like dancer on tour. Like I love the Teenage Dream tour. I love like the props, like her world and all that. It's so fun. And not gonna lie, Taylor Swift, I would have loved to do as well. Cause it's like a big production. She takes care of her dancers. She's like, I don't know. Like I love like those big, pop artist because you really get to be a character as a dancer and like really dance and have costumes and all that so um but to answer the question no I would not go back to that because I'm good I'm, I'm, my heart is uh, is fulfilled and I'm okay with being um just watching this show and be like oh this is great I love it that's amazing. I'm glad you, you've come to that position where you're okay with it. Cause I know I've spoken to other dancers who have moved on, who are obviously very happy with what they're doing now, but sometimes yeah. they'll be like, Oh, I wish I could jump up on stage and, and have some fun up there. So that's really cool. And I have to yeah. ask you, which choreographers did you like working with the most during your, your, your time in dance in Los Angeles? Um, which choreographer? Oh my God. It's so, um, bum, bum, bum. I don't know. Wow. I'm trying to think because it's like, it's very, um, I don't know. I think it would have to be uh, Eden Shaptai. She used to choreograph for Chris for a certain time and then uh, Chris Brown. And then she we worked a lot together on different projects. And um, I have a yeah, I have a soft, soft spot for Eden because she really um, gave me a, a spot when uh, it was in my beginning years and, and I was still trying to build my name. And she kind of took me under her and and brought me in and we're still talking to this day and she she was really nice to me so yeah i think it would be her for sure yeah tell us the time that you made the decision to become an artist like why did you make that decision and and not stick with dance i think i just got to a point where i was like you know what 
I've done it. Um, it was like 2018 at that point, and I had done like four tours. I was like, my biggest dream was to be on tour. And I was like, I want to be on tour. I want to be on tour. And I was like, okay, well, I've done it. So what's next? I didn't want to be a choreographer. I didn't want to be a, a dance teacher. And I think also, to be super honest, at some point, as an artist, you kind of want to, that's how I felt. Like people have different point of view, but you kind of want to express yourself through your art and quite frankly, to kind of be in the forefront because I love being a backup dancer and that was my whole life. And that was great to like be there for the artist. But I think inside me, I had this like burning sensation of like, I have a lot to offer and I feel like I'm kind of restrained to what I can do in my art. And I want to just push that forward. And I think that all those feelings just came up and I was like, I think it's time for me to hang my dancing shoes. <laughs> And so why did you decide to become like a DJ and producer? Um, I was always the girl that was like playing like music on the tour bus, like having playlists and be like, hey, like I remember before the show, like I would always like I would run into like the arena with like my my um, my speaker, like to get people ready, like listen to this music. Like I was always that person. And then also um, my years in L.A. when I was a dancer, I discovered like the underground scene with like the DJs and all that. And I really loved it. I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So um, I think it was just natural. Well, you add the fact that also like I'm, I'm a huge music lover. I was just like, I really want to do it. And then I, at that time, like it was when I started to make that decision, I think people like Peggy Goo and like Jada G were like kind of like in the forefront of female DJ, what they still are. But uh, but that really inspired me to be in that position because I was like, oh, there's like actually female DJs, you know? So, yeah. And when you started, like what were the biggest challenges to to like learn the craft? Um, well, the biggest challenges, I think, uh, weren't so much about learning the craft because it's like I already have the rhythm. So for me, it was like kind of easy, like obviously, like, you know, mixing on on um, on beat and finding like, you know, how you, you find a BPM, which is a beat per music. I think the challenges for me personally were more into um, entering a space where it is very male dominant when me as a female dancer never had to really face these kind of situations you know where as a dancer for me like audition is like a bunch of other girls and then we're looking at ourselves in the mirror and then all that but then when i switched i was like oh okay like just no girls just <laughs> all male like engineer like everyone's just yeah, it's a it's a man's world, and I think that's that that has been my struggle. Where now I think it's getting better, but for sure, like it was a big shock for me that I didn't really think about when I did the move. Yeah. And can you talk to us about um yeah like being a, a black woman and and like from Canada uh and and how that's going like obviously like things are going well because you've got a Juno nomination which we're going to talk about and you have like tons of social media followers and again you're a brand ambassador. Um, but like, do you think that? like people coming up behind you, like other females, other black women are um, heading into a better situation than maybe you did six years ago. I think so, for sure. I would hope so. I think that there is like way more DJs, uh, female DJs now. And maybe I think the, the, yeah, the black female DJs are not in the forefront, like at the higher level. The, the, the first name that I think about now is Honey Dijon, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, but I'm I'm not seeing other female DJs at that level when it comes to being black. But when you think more of like like um, maybe at a smaller scale, there there are very like there's 
a bunch of uh, female DJs, uh, black female DJs. So I think that like it's going to take a couple of years to like grow into like the higher scale. But I think that just seeing like more because it's all about, you know, visual and seeing people, then that's going to bring more black uh, female DJs in the forefront. And I'm, I'm, I, I hope that somehow I can help um, the next generation at just by just by doing what I'm doing for sure. How would you uh, describe your sound? And do you think it's evolving? Like, are you still trying to find where you're going? Um, yeah, I, I did in the first, in the first pass, no, in the, sorry, I did like before when I was like doing like the first EP Deliverance and then the second EP Souvenir, I feel like this year, 2024, I kind of like finding my pocket of what I want to do. And uh, it feels really great. Cause I'm like, I feel like I've arrived, like my new single actually just came out today. Uh, <laughs> it's called Kokoma and it's, it's, um, it, it means, uh, the arrival in Lingala, which is the language from my, from my dad, where he's from in the Congo. And, um, I called it the arrival because that's how I feel with my music right now. I feel like I've arrived and I'm making a sound that is like really pure to like who I am and what I want to sound. And of course, like maybe in 10 years from now, I'm going to be like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I made this. But right now I'm like really proud of where I am in the production side of it. So yeah. Who's your favorite artist of all time? And do you think they influence the music that you produce? Mm. Uh, sorry, <laughs> the sound. <laughs> it's just so hard, but, but um, definitely Janet Jackson. Um, people don't know this, but I'm a huge like pop fan. Like I love pop music. Like I know I make like electronic music and all that, but I love pop music. And um, I love also how like back in the days it was like longer tracks and um, the the whole like, yeah, Janet, like, what have you done for me lately? Like all her songs and the music video, like, right? Like the way she would like tell a story with like her visuals and all her tours are just like super nice, like the All For You tour and all that. Like she has influenced me for sure. And um, also as a performer, because she's just an amazing, I think she's one of the best to be honest. Um, uh, but yeah, definitely Janet Jackson. <laughs> We have to talk about your Juno nomination. And for our friends that are watching this in the States or overseas, the Juno um, Awards are basically Canada's version of the Grammy. So it's a big deal. And so tell us about, uh, you know, getting the nomination, where you were when you found out and uh, what it means to you. Um, I was, well, first I got a text that said that uh, I was invited to the nominations ceremony nomination. Um, so I, I was like with my, with my business manager was like, we have to go to Toronto. We have to go. And, and so we went to Toronto, but the, yeah, they can't tell you that you're nominated. So you're just invited. So, you know, you, you're like, oh, I might just show up and not be nominated. That would be weird. So, <laughs> um, it was kind of very stressful. Cause I was like, oh my God, what if I'm not nominated? And then, so we, we got there. It was really nice. We met other uh, talented artists, obviously. And then you watch the screen and then it just goes into like the, those different categories. And then finally it was like underground single of the year. And, uh, my name was there and I was just like, wow, like it, it's kind of like a surreal like moment because I think that I'm still in the beginning of my career when it comes to being, being a producer, but to be recognized by the Junos for me, it's like a big thing. And it also, you know, I know it's like awards and all that, but it just reinforces that I'm doing the right thing and it's being recognized. And and I think especially in this category as a black female who a musician who does electronic music, I think that says a lot in that um, to go back to our uh, conversation, I think and I hope it will like really push um 
the next generation to really go into that journey of making electronic music. What do you have planned when you go? Because you're going to go to the ceremony in Halifax. So yes. going with you and what are you wearing? I'm going with my business manager, Oko. I'm going with my best friend, Steven, who's going to do my makeup. And I actually don't know yet what I'm wearing. I had a meeting yesterday to like kind of like do like a blueprint, like a kind of like a, a vibe of what I want to wear. So it's still we're still building it. But I definitely like want like a showstopper outfit that is going to be like, Ah, so um yeah we're working on it but i mean i love fashion so i'm sure i'm gonna like show up and just hopefully uh yeah have some nice pictures and people are gonna be like oh this is a nice outfit talk to us about the social media influence that you have because again you have like tons and tons of followers you also um have over 16 million views on youtube which is incredible so do you feel um a responsibility uh you know because I, on some way you are probably someone that people look up to for sure you are. And so do you feel like a responsibility to your followers and do you love connecting with them on social media? Yeah, I do definitely um, feel a responsibility. Um, and I also love connecting with people because it's a, it's not just people. At first, I, I thought I was just reaching to Canada, but then, you know, we did some digging and obviously you look at the comments and all that. And then you see that there's people from all around the world and, and it's great. It's really amazing. Like it's an amazing feeling. You know, I think that one of the video that really like blew up that I think now has uh, 7 million views, like that's that video itself brought me to Morocco, which I had never been to um, North Africa, Africa alone. So, uh, and then I got to talk to the people and then that was like, oh, like, you know, how did you find out? And they were like, that video. And I was like, really? They were like, yeah, this video, it really inspired us. So um, I think it's really, it's a, it's a great feeling and I'm, and I'm really thankful. I use social media to connect with people and it's working for me. And, and I really love that. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy when I think about, I, I know numbers and all that are big, but for me, it's really about like the message being like spread and touching people with music. So I'm super thankful of the outcome of how social media have, have shown up for me. Yeah. What is up next for you for the rest of the year? Like, do you plan to drop a bunch more music? Are you heading out on tour? What's happening with you? So more music for sure. I definitely want to put another EP out this year. Um, so we're looking into that. Uh, more show dates for sure. Um, probably going back to Europe and in North America as well in, in, in the summer. And then I would love to go to Africa again. So more of that, more content. Obviously, I'd love to do those, um, the live session where I have a musician with me and like I play a DJ. So like more content, more music, and then more touring for, for this year. We continue to build and obviously, uh, the Juno, uh, in March. Yeah. I have a couple of quick questions to wrap up the interview. If you could switch places with any artist for one day, who would it be and why? Um, uh, does that artist it can be alive or it has like, yeah or or yeah or, that, or like it, you could have yeah no problem. <laughs> That's because yesterday I watched Bob Marley's movie and I and I kind of uh, cried and and I and I have and it was like very moving for me this movie so I'd love to for one day be in his shoes and 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 just feel what he felt like because for me it's just a huge artist that left such I mean he left a genre behind him and his legacy is still alive like almost uh, several years like you know and so i would love to um to to exchange with him for a day and just feel like how he felt on stage because also his performance of stage are just like so moving so it would be bob marley for sure 
Who is the coolest person in your phone? Oh my God. Um, not like that. I don't have like <laughs> cool people. <laughs> That's a good question. What? Um... Like if you could just call or text somebody right now that like that people watching this interview would know. Like, can you text Selena? No, I cannot text Selena, sadly. I, I know I can DM Drake because I, we follow each other. I think that's, but I don't have his number, sadly. That's cool <laughs> enough. That's that pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome if you can DM Drake and for sure he'd answer you. That's amazing. Um, what's always in your fridge? Uh, what's always a ketchup? I'm a huge ketchup fan. I can't live without ketchup, but I don't like ketchup chips. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. When you are in LA and you've been there for a while, what thing do you miss the most from Canada? Like, is it uh, Oreo cookies? Like, I don't know. What do you, what do you miss? Uh, poutine for sure. Um, Haitian food, my friends, uh, speaking French. Um, yes. Just so many, uh, taking the, the, the metro, taking the train, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm such a Montrealer. I love my city. Like, I cannot spend too much time away from Montreal. I really love it. I'm a fan. That is perfect. I wish more. <laughs> I think a lot of people do feel that way because I even moved home from Toronto because yeah. I was like, it's time. Uh, but that's amazing. I think I think Montreal is a special vibe. That's for sure. And yeah. um, what message do you have for your fans and new fans who are going to find you through this interview? Oh my God. Uh, I, wow. I don't know. Just a welcome to my artistry. And I hope you love this. Like if you dig deeper, you're going to find so many things that you're going to find out about me. So I hope you enjoy the music and the content because it's all there for you. Amazing. Karaba, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Don't forget to check her out, djkaraba.com. And of course, you can check her out at the uh, June Awards at the end of the month. Follow us on Instagram. Kelly Alexander Show. I always appreciate this portion of the show when we get to hang out with the one and only Sharon Highland. Hello, That's Sharon. me. Yeah. <laughs> right hi, trouble. Hi, hi, hi. Our music editor, Sharon Highland. So I was very excited about this topic that we're going to chit chat about this week. Um, I think you and I are fans of hers. I'm saying this. and I hope it's true. Uh, Kylie mm -hmm. Minogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh and what's interesting, I think you and I have had this conversation in the past where it's kind of interesting with her because she's a massive star in many parts of the world. Yeah. It didn't always take off in North America. Like she has a certain notoriety, uh, but basically off that one 2001 song, Can't Get You Out of My Head, mm -hmm. unless you're a true Kylie fan. Yeah. Um, but she's massive, massive in other parts of the world. And what's interesting is that apparently she's been offered offered a residency for life um, in Las Vegas because she impressed um, uh, the owner of uh, Voltaire, the nightclub. And this is the word on the street that she's being offered this basical base basical. That's a good word. Basic. <laughs> Um, making words up, Cal. I'm making words up. Uh, residency, uh, so she can show up anytime she wants to do a set of dates, and it will just go on in perpetuity until she calls it a day. A residency uh, for life. Residency for life. That so, doesn't sound like it comes with any strings or any weight to it at all. I know. So, first of all, thoughts on Kylie and the fact that she... Because it's interesting, like it's almost even in a way, um, George Michael, because I've heard him talk about in interviews where he's like, I, he didn't break as much as he wanted to in the States, but he broke more to me than Kylie has in North America. I find that surprising, too, about George Michael. And it is it's funny with someone like Kylie Minogue, who prior to Can't Get You Out of My Head, which is so 
earwormy like I, like even just you saying it i'm like yeah. it's stuck uh yeah. so that's that's you know you're you uh you assign the the power to the person who put it in your head so mm-hmm. great but even years before that she had hit so um i wonder if she's found her way onto like you know favorite playlist or that 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 level of of fanship in north america but like you said she's selling out other parts of the world and doing great with that and now with this offer of um permanent residency kind of sounds like she's being grounded yeah um uh, (laughs) she's also saying that you know um she's she's wanting to tour Mm -hmm. so it would be difficult to say yes to something like that even though there sounds like a you know freedom to come and go to it um but i'll be honest and maybe it's because we're in north america she this tour she wants to do or is thinking of doing is uh you know she wants to do stadiums a big stadium tour mm-hmm. or no arena stadiums bigger than arena and it's yeah. an arena tours but i think really like good mm-hmm. but i think at this point in her career and i'm not questioning her ability i'm just further further to what we're saying about where she has popularity and because we are in north america that would be my question mark about being able to sell out or sell an arena here um but then you think strike while the iron's hot go where they want you yeah you know and if they want you in vegas if that was a thing that worked and that's the north american draw then people will go and see you yeah and what's interesting is at the end of the article that you and I read, she actually, I think, is quoted on some level saying that, um, you know, in the past, Vegas, I guess the perception was that it was really the twilight of your career. Right. You would That's go gone. There. That is that done. Is completely gone. Even though Justin Timberlake, I think, still. <laughs> I said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think he's hopefully learned his lesson on that. Because, yeah, like now all the cool kids go to vegas yeah well it used to be a place that you you went and it was steady work it's not there was nothing bad about it you you did the work and you got paid and people were happy to see you i'm sure Mm -hmm. just like now that's why they go now and i think uh that's not why they go now i think a lot of them go now because there is a a a comfort uh, and an ease to putting together a show that you don't have to move around yeah and the comfort and ease is not just physical it's financial because it costs to put on a big show you have to bring that stuff to each show that costs money mm-hmm. so if you can load up in one town and stay there for a while it's great and it keeps you steady and you get to go to work that day yeah. you know it's, it's different for the creatives it's funny that you said that because i was just um watching an interview clip of Katy Perry, who was recently hanging out with Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. And she was talking, because he was asking her what's coming up this year. And I think that was the same show that she dropped the news that this is the last season of Idol for her. Right. And so um, he was talking about her Vegas gig and as she's done. And she's like, yeah, we did a run of, I can't remember how many shows she said over the course of like two years. Um, but she's like, no, I'm done. And she's like, and then she kind of talked about how like the props that she had for that show, including like, I forget the the size she said, but it was like basically this massive fake toilet that was like the size of like oh Alaska. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like she kind of alluded, like you don't want to be having to break that down and put that on a tour bus. Like it's not. Yeah. Gonna work. So I think those set pieces were made so big knowing that they were going to stay on for x amount of time yeah um, and then be done with and she now wants to tour again and i knew that was coming because she had said um around the time i think that she was having the baby daisy who's now a three i think 
you know, I think she wanted to have a, a static place to stay, but then she did, she did want to tour while Daisy was young enough to not be in school. So this right. will probably be her last tour for a while mm -hmm. because when Daisy has to go to school. I think she'll want to stay like in Los Angeles. For or sure. And, and at that point, I think for any of these people, it's a want to tour. It's not a need necessarily. And let, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of my, uh, pocket here like i don't know what their financial situations are but i think that based on their list of hits there's not a need to tour if they've done things even partially right there's not a need to tour it's a want mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and at that point maybe maybe after a few years maybe you just want to get out for a few maybe weeks you, you know <laughs> well i think she had mentioned when when again when she was having daisy like I think, you know, she wanted her baby to grow up enough where she could then go experience these cities again with her kid. Right. And that's what Pink is doing. And Pink yeah. has been doing. And Pink, I think, said, I forget which interview she did. Maybe it was talking to Kelly Clarkson where she talked about um, she now has touring down to a science with her kids. Mm -hmm. And that yep. she should. I think she said she's been contacted by other female yes. artists about how to handle being on the road. Yeah. Kids she's written like a little. She said she didn't she say she'd written like a manual. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Them, and I think one of them was. Um, was it Christina Aguilera or one of them? Uh, might have been. Maybe. Who's the other one? How come I can't think of her name? Not Kelly Clarkson. Uh, no, my Brit brain is blank. Ponda replay. <laughs> Rihanna. Thank you. Right. Jeez. You see, I went right back to the beginning for that clue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rihanna, I think, was another one that sort of said, hey, what do we do here? Yeah. 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 But um, I think that's a whole other thing that I'm proud that Pink came out and said, like, I've got this down to a science, you know, and making it work for her because also too, like, you know, they're moms. And I think a lot of them put themselves first as moms, uh, but then know that they're still artists and need to be creative and need to get out and do their thing. So I, I think it's amazing that Pink's managed to make it work. And I think she's inspiring other artists to do the same. And thing. on top of that, they are considerate of their family members. Pink has said that too. We are a family of creative people who all have things on the go, like not you know her husband's very busy he's got a lot of stuff that he that he does and yeah. so they make it so that they can you know schedule their time together they're in australia now aren't they in new zealand i think so yeah 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 and i remember too i think it was that movie like her, pink's documentary where she talked about how she lets willow go back home either yes. she wants to come off the the road or she has events to not miss out on like her right. friends or whatever she's doing so i think that's great because i think if i was a kid my parents would be like like you're stuck here you're we're staying doing... with us yeah exactly <laughs> go um, wait in the car <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh so back to kylie minogue for just a sec so yeah i it's interesting how yeah she is madonna in other parts of the world yeah she probably will not have problems like you said um selling out arenas over there over in australia over mm -hmm. right because i think in england too she's like a big deal because she, she, yeah. she was on a soap also but i think that was in australia it was neighbors maybe i'm making stuff up but i think well, she was you're just you're just throwing <laughs> things out there see what sticks yeah. she was so young when she when her first single came out wasn't she like 18 or something she's been in the for a long time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah, that's a, you know, and she's still relatively young. I say that because she's my age, um, but she's still, I think, got, you know, quite a few years of making music, performing music, yeah. as many as she wants ahead of her, mm -hmm. that all these years that got her to this point, there's a lot to choose from to, to please yeah. the crowds wherever they are. 
Yeah, and it's interesting to watch too. Kind of like again, if we use Madonna as the uh, example, you know how Madonna like recently did a song with The Weekend in the last four or five months, uh, popular, which we yeah. were actually playing on our station. And you know, so for many people, Madonna, like even if you're a younger artist by like thirty years, you know who Madonna is, and to to be able to do a collaboration with her, it's like next level magic. And mm -hmm. I think that's the same for Kylie in other parts of the world because I know I think it was two years ago, maybe. Um, maybe three, she did a collaboration with one of my favorite British artists, Ollie Alexander, uh, from years and years. And no relation. No, re no relation. <laughs> but uh, like they had like a disco song together and like he could see he was just elated to be able to work with Kylie, even though like he has a fair amount of popularity himself, you mm -hmm. know, and it was just it's so cool to watch. It was kind of like how you and I talked about like um, Luke and Tracy Chapman right yeah like he was just his little kid self you could see him all over that grammy stage going i can't yeah. believe this is happening so <laughs> yeah so i think kylie has it overseas um so yeah that's pretty cool have you ever seen her in concert no kylie no okay okay no i'm sure she's fun and i'm sure that she puts on a show that her fans love mm -hmm. uh but no i don't has she even been here I think she came because we also she had an album called X or 10. I don't remember how they pronounce it, but it came out, I think, in 2008. Mm -hmm. And we were playing at least one of the songs off of that. And I think she came over and did a promo tour, but I don't know if she oh, actually cool. did like a tour tour. So, okay. but I think it, but that I wonder if it bothers her like it bothered George Michael that she hasn't quote unquote really popped off here. Um, and and I think from your yours and my perspective, George Michael did totally do that did. here. Like, yep. there's no question. I And I can recall being at, um, I went to the Olympic Stadium show in 1988. Mm -hmm. So there was 50,000 people there. Yeah. And it was just him. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw him at a smaller, at, arena, at an arena at the Bell Center. Yeah. And uh, you couldn't, you didn't, and no one sat down through that whole show. And yeah. there had to have been, I don't know, 18,000 people there. Yeah. You know what's interesting? A lot of people. So you, uh, you went to the same show at the Big O. Mm -hmm. um, sister because she was there obviously nice. we didn't know each other at the time and then you and i again didn't go together but we were at the 2008 show right yeah and i think my sister told me when she saw that show at the big o that he came in from the crowd or something like was that true like he surprised it's possible my my stand is such a long time ago now my memory from that is that he ran that stage yeah he would run side to side like trying to like get everybody a give everybody a piece of them almost you know like so that yeah. there's so many people yeah. that he'd run and sing and then run somewhere else and sing <laughs> and it was just so aerobic <laughs> yeah it fit, his, uh, his, it fit his wham um uh style when he had all those uh like leisure wear that yeah exactly natural wearing. um sharon highland thank you for this cal thank you that is our music editor, Sharon Hyland. Don't forget to check out the uh, podcast that we co-host together, 90s Now FM. And of course, you can follow Sharon on Instagram at the Sharon Hyland. The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you very much for spending time with us on the program this week. And I want to give a big shout out to our guests, DJ Caraba and Sharon Highland. My thanks, of course, to our awesome producer, Andrew Sabino, for doing a wonderful job putting the show together. And don't forget that we always appreciate if you can make time to give us a review. So please do so on any podcast platform that you're catching us on. Not to mention telling all your family and friends that they can find us as well on places like Spotify, Apple, Google Play and Stitcher Radio. We also 
also have all of our social media handles for you up on our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.